Welcome to episode 37 of Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. Our subject is discernment, and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds, and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women and their parents to understand the present in order to prepare for the future a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. Well, 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 a lot has transpired since we last sat in this studio together. And by that, I... Two weeks, has it been? Yeah. Oh, you're not supposed to disclose our studio secrets. I was going to say two years, but... Nobody believed that. By that, I don't mean, of course, just the regular things like working. Well, what have you guys done over the last now two weeks? Worked. Worked. Doing what? Building fences. Okay. What else have you done? I've done school. School. Good homeschooler. School in the summer. What else have you both done? Mowed the lawn. Okay, mowed the lawn. Oh, swim team. Yep. Swim team. Swim team Here I forgot make, about that. I'm making, I'm making swim motions, trying to with, with the microphone in the way. You forgot about swim team? It's been so long. I'm kidding. I do too. <laughs> Summer swim. All right. And you finished with your championship meet, right? Uh-huh. Set yes, a new record for our division. Where Roger set a new record for the division. As part of the uh, As relay say, not team. alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, we didn't. Yeah. And so we also tended to the garden, watered the tomatoes, read books, swimming... Each and of which, by the dug way, a big hole in our backyard. Each of which, by the way, could be deployed as the foundation by any good teacher for an entire episode of this program. But maybe we'll do that in a future episode. Working, reading, eating. Can you imagine spending a whole episode talking about eating? We could do it. What f- what yeah. food would you talk about? Donuts. Um, coffee. Donuts are not food. Coffee's but a drink. Donuts are most likely are most I love food. donuts. <laughs> <laughs> donuts are most likely food. Uh, uh, it depends on where they're coming from. They're coming from Duncan. Who definitely Thank food. you. Whereas Krispy Kreme. No, Krispy Kreme is good too. Krispy, Krispy Kreme fresh are good. But like if they're donuts from like a grocery store, that's hit or miss. As we explained last week, if God created everything, then everything that God created necessarily tells us something about him. And nothing is incidental. But something else happened since the last time we, we recorded an episode of Jesus and the Meteorologist. Something sweet and special. Something new and cute, yet very old and familiar. Something that occurs every day, millions of times around the globe, yet something that does not happen to everyone every day. Something very personal, yet also quite universal in nature. Something very common, but also very unique. If you have not by now answered this little riddle in your own mind, I speak, of course, about the birth of a child. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, since we last gathered together here in this little podcast studio, my wife and I became grandparents for the first time. Actually, that should get a goal horn. And this event transpired coincidentally on the same day that one of our daughters and her husband became parents for the first time. Imagine. 
You imagine, don't say. <laughs> uh, imagine that becoming grandparents on the exact same day and time as your daughter and son-in-law become parents. Look, Penelope's looking at me like this is some. It's at the same time as their brothers and sisters became aunts and uncles. Well, that was my next line. Kind of <laughs> like <laughs> yes. That's like when the Penguins score three times in the first three minutes of the game. It's a hat trick. They're up three nothing before the other team barely gets off the bench. That would kind of be like becoming, as I was going to say, an aunt and uncle at the same time, at the same exact moment, as one of your siblings becomes an aunt or an uncle, right? Perhaps our icebergs have a little familiarity with this, yes? How does this happen? Well, so many good things all at once affecting so many different people at the same time in different yet similar ways, all deriving from one event. You become an aunt— you become an uncle. Your mother becomes a grandmother, and I become a grandfather. One of your sisters becomes a mother, and your brother-in-law becomes a father. Meanwhile, your other sisters become aunts, all of this resulting from one event. Were you going to say something, Penelope? You left out the other uncle. Yes. Well, one uncle... So, But <laughs> it's kind of hard to say, because in this situation, there's only one boy in this family, and then one other boy in, in my son-in-law's family. They both became uncles at the same time. A birth of one child, and in our situation by all objective accounts, a very cute little peanut of a girl. She's adorable. <laughs> An adorable sweet pickle, or pickles as we call her. So, I think this occasion deserves a plethora of penguin goldhorns. So, let's mark them according to category. First, to congratulate the parents. Then, to congratulate the grandparents. And yes, to congratulate. <laughs> I'm giving myself and my wife a gold horn. And finally, to congratulate all of Pickle's aunts and uncles. All right. So Even now, though we had virtually nothing to do with it. When we return, the icebergs and I will use this joyful occasion of the birth of a child as a means of exposing all of the foolishness in the culture around us. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologists, a weekly squidget devoted to the topic of discernment. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. Before we proceed, Penelope told me in the break that I had forgotten to reference one of my other sons, my other son-in-law, also as an uncle, so forgive me, son-in-law number two, or number one by age, number two by joining the family. Uh, well, my apologies. Confusing. We won't give him any names. To protect the identity. 
Uh, also, I wanted to note that Iceberg Winnie is still enjoying her summer activities. Where is she this week? She's at the beach. At is the that... beach. Yeah. We look forward to her yeah. return to us next next episode. So today it's just the three of us. I on wish my... we were at the beach. And on my left it is... Penelope. On my right it is... Roger. And I... Roger. Roger. Or, maybe Roger. as a result of the change in our collective lives, we can call you Aunt Penelope, Uncle and Roger, Uncle Roger. <laughs> and Pops here. Sounds like the beginning of a corny joke, doesn't it? Grandfather and aunt and uncle walk into a bar. Not or really. a hospital. <laughs> it doesn't. Or a podcast studio. <laughs> that sounds like the beginning of a very bad joke. <laughs> That's why I said corny. But I, I... What? That wasn't even good enough to be a dad joke. Maybe it was uh, a granddad joke. it was a grandfather joke. joke. <laughs> I digress. And you may have noticed that I'm very good at digressing. Yes. You, think? You, you are. At least once or twice per episode. <laughs> One might say that I'm a digressor. And if people were, <laughs> what? If, one did say. If, that's yeah, it. one. That would be neat. One may say. If people were willing to pay me, I could become a professional digresser. Not to be confused, of course, with a professional hairdresser, or perhaps even an unprofessional one. But again, that I, would be me, an unprofessional hairdresser. Again, I, just because you don't Call get paid for it. Yeah. In any event, we're now going to enter Squidgetville. It's a nice day in Squidgetville, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we have feels, feels more special today. It feels about 85. The sun is brighter. Breeze. The leaves are greener. And the aroma of the beautiful flowers is more delightful. I've never been in Squidgetville as a grandfather. And you, my icebergs, have never visited this village as an aunt or and an, an uncle. uncle. <laughs> oh, I see we've now arrived at the... Houses of Analysis. So let's go in to examine how the birth of this child, and any child, exposes the foolishness of the world around us. Boy, you guys are full of giggles today, aren't you? <laughs> it, was, it, it felt like I can feel that I'm actually in Squidgetville this week. Squidgetville, yeah. I, I feel think we very finally much arrived. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, icebergs, for background and to set the stage for our discussion... Can you enumerate for me some of the more ridiculous notions that pervade our culture today? What is the so-called state of affairs, as it were? What are some of the things we talked about before we turned on the record button? <laughs> talked about baby things. We talked about pickles. Well, yeah, but before that, we talked about what? What types of things did we talk about? Talking about abortion. Okay. What is abortion? Uh, abortion. Um, Go ahead. Murder of a child. Okay. Unlo While they're in utero. Yeah. Unlawful killing of a child inside its uh, its home, its initial residence, right? Inside the womb. What if abortionist, in, in light of the Dobbs case, which has the Supreme Court has recently said, this is no longer a federal issue. We're sending the power back to the states to decide if they're going to regulate abortion or not. The outrage from those who wish to commit abortion is what? What are they saying, among other things? That it's their right to have abortion, and this is so wrong that we're going back in time, back to the 1950s, and this is no saying, step forward. <laughs> saying it's quote-unquote unlawful for the government to have this much say over what one does with their body, even though it's not their body. Right. And notwithstanding the the contradiction, these are the same people that told us we must take a a shot, a toxin, right, that we had no control over our bodies. We we had to do this if we wanted to <clears throat> participate in society. 
what do they say with regard to us? If we do not permit them to kill their babies, what have they threatened us with? Death. Ironic, right? Yeah. Well, the turntable. No, it's fitting. If if you do not permit me to kill my baby, then I'm going to kill you, right? This they've sprayed it on church doors, doors of churches and crisis pregnancy centers. Why do you say it's consistent? Why does it make sense? Well, because they want to kill babies in part in the first place. Why wouldn't they want to kill people? Yeah. So they kind of expose that this isn't is is not a healthcare matter. No. Right? As they profess so loudly. It's all about healthcare. And yet you take away this particular quote unquote healthcare option and suddenly they're threatening to kill you. Can you imagine if we did the same? If we threatened to kill someone because if they took the vaccine or yeah, something. I, we would be in a lot of trouble. How about not gen- just not just with like with the government, but we'd be in trouble with God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because the scriptures tell us that even if we think murderous thoughts, right? Jesus yeah. said, "You've heard that it said it's it's wrong to murder," but He says, "Even if you think murderous thoughts in your head, that you've sinned against God." How about the notion of gender fluidity, or that gender is assigned at birth? see a lot of that today, don't we? Yeah. Well, that's just stupidity right there. <laughs> As opposed to gender being what? Unchangeable. Unch- at least by us. <laughs> yeah, unchangeable and that it is what it is, right? When God creates us, our gender is determined by God and revealed to us, if not at birth, sometimes even before that, right? When, when we look at our children via technology now, You can determine, oh, it's a boy or it's a girl before they're born. Mm -hmm. But that's revealed to us. We don't have any participation in that process, right? We don't get to assign or select that gender. We Uh, just, yeah, we're just shown what God has already mm -hmm. done. Right. What about the notion of personhood? Who defines what a person is? God. God. But what does our culture tell us or try to tell us? Our culture tries to tell us that we're not a person until we're like what breathing air basically out of the womb and that scale seems to change depending on the person with whom you're speaking yeah depending on their motives what's the slippery slope with that kind of an approach who's deciding it's everyone's opinion to like everyone has their different opinion of who's and what is is what is everyone everyone is a a rock, a monkey, oh, a person. is a person. A person, <laughs> yeah. right? So ironically, you, ha- you have people defining personhood, right? It doesn't, doesn't that seem to be a slippery, a very strange and slippery slope? Well, it's a logical fallacy. It is. One thing cannot dis- define, define itself. itself. Other than God, right? Yeah. God is the only exception to that rule um, and has to be. Otherwise, nothing makes sense. But we get into this notion, which is an old slippery slope of who decides, Right, it's it's one thing to say a person is blank, but if the person is the one deciding that, then it becomes very arbitrary, doesn't yeah. doesn't it? <clears throat> and becomes subject to manipulation and coercion, according to one's needs, rather than basing it on unchangeable scripture, the Word of God. God says a person is X, and then we conform our lives according to His definition. Maybe so, he says there X X and X Y. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which we're getting to. So into this cacophony, this persistent white noise of confusion, comes forth the birth of a child, which is 
truly miraculous, right? A miracle is a supernatural event. It's out of the natural. Yet, because it happens millions of times a day around the world, it's taken for granted, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. People say birth just happens or birth is natural, kind of like a butterfly. Tell me about the life cycle of a butterfly for a minute. Well, it starts as a completely different animal. <laughs> Even before that, it starts as a... What, like a little an egg? Yeah. Like, remember when at home we used to uh, find butterfly eggs on the butterfly bushes mm -hmm. and then watch them... Turn they become little, little yeah. caterpillars or at first like microscopic. Yeah. So very then, hungry caterpillar, which is what? What kind of a creature is a caterpillar? Well, he crawls. Tubular. He doesn't fly. Okay, yeah. no, no wings. Uh -huh. Lots of legs, mm -hmm. right? And his body expands exponentially yeah. from how small he is to how big he is before he goes into his cocoon. And he gets there by eating what? Leaves. Leaves. Leaves, right? <laughs> so from all intents and purposes, he's a vegetarian that we can tell, uh -huh. right? So he eats <clears throat> leaves, usually beautiful, green at that stage. Yeah. And then... Then what happens? He crystallizes. Well, you sort of skip some steps. How does he crystallize? Um, doesn't he kind of like squirt out of goo? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's this, this like silky substance. Yeah. He yeah. comes out of his own body and he makes the chrysalis using elements of his own body. And at first it's beautiful green, but then it starts to take on the color of the stick or the... Yeah, kind <clears> of a brownish color. The twig that he's connected to. And it kind of shrinks in size as it loses moisture. And sometimes we thought that that caterpillar's dead in there. Yeah. And then two weeks later, generally, what happens if it, if it doesn't die? Out of the chrysalis comes a butterfly. And the butterfly is what? Relative to a... Is it a caterpillar? Does it look like it's a caterpillar? completely different. It looks very different. Yeah, what do we call Which... that? What's the scientific term for what has happened? Because of an oh, M. Metamorphosis. Yeah, metamorphosis, right? Completely changes its nature. From a crawling creature with no wings that eats plants to a flying creature with six with, legs with wings that wings eats, <clears throat> which eats like not nectar it's not only a, a a beautiful metamorphosis a transformation of the body but the butterfly knows how to fly right he's never had wings or she's never had wings yeah. And suddenly knows how to fly, knows how to use her wings, knows how to dry them, right? Moves them back uh -huh. and forth to dry them, knows yeah, where to look for food. As soon as it's time to take off, as soon as the wings are dry, it just flies away. Whoosh. Yeah, as it if it's been doing it. Knows what food to find. Yeah, it knows where to go. Sometimes in winter, the migration of butterflies is another fascinating topic. Yet all of this supernatural activity and transformation, this metamorphosis, because it happens so often, is... As G.K. Chesterton once pointed out, it's believed to be merely natural. And he says, actually, what we're witnessing is daily miracles over yeah. and over and over again. Well, the same thing can be said of the birth of a child. It's that it is of a supernatural nature. With each and every entry of a new child into the world, God declares that he is the supernatural creator of all things. And he determines the time, the place, and the manner of one's birth. A baby cannot, for example, survive if it's born too early, nor can it remain in the womb too long, right? Then you start to have decline of the fetal. You got to get the, uh, of the fetus. You've got to get the baby out before leaving it in the womb too long. 
So what's one of the excuses we hear, by the way, from those who seek to abort to kill their babies? It's unfair because... They didn't want to have this baby. or Yeah. It was unplanned, right? Mm -hmm. One wonders if they would respond the same way if they received an unplanned inheritance. Oh, or... I was, yeah, I was going to say, win the lottery. Yeah, exa didn't... <laughs> exactly my point. That was unplanned. I didn't ask for this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, my I gosh. I got burned all this money. How unfair. But... I digress. You see? <laughs> Professional. Or Twice what? already. Unprofessional digress. One more time and you get a goal horn. <laughs> or the, maybe just a bell. <clears throat> That's right. I didn't For bring digressing. my bell today. The very fact that those who have killed their babies and who wish to still kill them today so frequently justify their positions due to the quote-unquote unplanned nature of their pregnancy proves that they are not in charge of the created order. Otherwise, they would what? Have not. planned or not planned their pregnancy. Exactly. Yeah, they would have arranged not to be pregnant, right? Yeah. But they can't stop becoming pregnant. Once they engage in activity, which leads to pregnancy, they can't then decide, oh, I'm going to be pregnant or I'm not. All they can do is destroy what God has already created after he has created it. So that unchangeable order was designed by God and can't be altered by man. Okay, so what are some other manifestations of God's glory that become evident in the birth of a child? What are some of the some of the mysterious, beautiful pieces, elements that we can study and know about that tell us this must be of God? I mean, just this year, beauty. When the baby comes out, it's just kind of it's just kind of takes your breath away. It's... Yeah, there, there's a reaction that's everybody has. It's almost impossible to stop that reaction when you look and behold the face of a brand new baby. There's that interaction, right? It, you, it's undeniable that this child was created by God. So that's some of the more intangible exterior evidence. What about with regard to the chemical composition of our bodies? Oh, like the DNA? Yeah. DNA? Uh, right? All of us have different DNAs, a completely new child, like well, like we talked about before, it's a different body from the mother, and sorry, I don't know what else well, to say. Well, <laughs> and, and DNAs then form into thread-like structures called what? Chromosomes. Right, chromosomes. Okay, quiz question. What is the female chromosome, and what is the male chromosome? Male are identified by what two letters? X and Y. And then female are identified by? X and X. X. Okay. And how many chromosomes does each person have? Tw uh, 46. 46. 46. 23 from uh -huh. the mom. 23 from each parent, right? Every time. And of those 23, one identifies the sex, I said non-sex, not non-sexy. <clears throat> in other words, they look the same for male and female. Um, it's only the the sex chromosomes that chromosomes that differ depending on whether you are male or female. Again, female XX, male XY. This is unchangeable, right? We could spend an entire episode, of course, talking about this, evidencing the miracle of God's unalterable, beautiful, created order and how it speaks and shines truth. The truth of life in a culture of death. Okay, one more question. How about how babies are made? 
what is it that is necessary, despite all of the world's protestations, who say that women aren't the only ones who can have babies? We know, in fact, that women can, because what is necessary? Sperm from the father and egg from the mother. Right? From Every male time. Female. Every time. Even when you speak to people who are in relationships, same-sex relationships, and they're talking about children, they always have to admit, well, I can't make my own children. We can't make our own children. We, we depend upon a male. And so that, that is evidenced all the time. It's undeniable. Other than the virgin birth of Christ our Lord, babies can only come into existence through combination of male sperm and female eggs. Why does the world pretend otherwise? Why is it that they refuse to acknowledge the truth in this regard? Because if they, if they can deny that order and in their heads, you know, eliminate that order, then they have no reason to acknowledge the rest of God's order. Yeah, if you can throw out God, if you can justify eliminating the existence of God, then you can justify all manner of behavior which, would, which is otherwise deemed rebellious against God, yeah. which ultimately leads to man becoming what? Or playing God. Yeah, man thinking that he is God. What's the Bible say about this as to why people says, do this? Oh, I was going to say it says not to do it. <laughs> well, of course, but more particularly in the first chapter of Romans, what do we learn about why people do this? Why do they acknowledge, refuse to acknowledge what is so patently obvious? It's because of our sin. Okay, in particular, what, what action do they go through? What does Romans 1, beginning at verse 18, say? It says people suppress the truth by their wickedness. They suppress the truth. Continue. Since what may be known about God is what? Plain to them, because be God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their minds became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So in the end, by the way, these icebergs did that by memory, not by reading from their scriptures. Mm -hmm. In the end, all that the world is able to do is to change what? If they can't change your chromosomes. They just change how they identify your chromosomes. Yes. In the end, all the world is able to do is to change the definitions, mm -hmm. right? They can't change reality. They can give us their faulty interpretations of reality, but they can't amend what is actually true. One can choose to either reject the truth or submit to it, but the truth itself cannot be altered. The created order belongs to God, and it's unchangeable. And the Bible tells us very plainly that those who seek to change God's unalterable reality are culpable and without excuse. If they refuse to repent, God will give them over to the foolishness of their thinking, as we just quoted from Romans. In other words, if they pers persist in their rebellion, their belief that they are the maker of the rules, God will cause them to believe their own foolish rules and definitions, thereby justifying his judgment of them. And I think this is what we see today with all of the ridiculous shenanigans about gender fluidity, the killing of innocent children— and the notion that biology is subject to the beliefs of the interpreter. I want you to turn to your Bibles. <clears throat> Who has Psalm 96 ready to read for I us? I do. We're what a coincidence. We're going to talk. What a coinky -dink. I want you to listen carefully as you read through this, because after we're done reading the scripture, we're going to go to break.
And then we're going to come back and talk about how it pertains to what we just spoke about having to do with the glory of birth and how the earth is unshakable and these realities cannot be changed. Okay, Roger, go ahead. Psalm 96. Psalm 96 says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among all the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, lowercase g. For all the gods, again, lowercase g, the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Now listen carefully what's coming up. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The Lord is firmly established. Mm -mm. The world. The, sorry. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. I'm waiting for my one, one, the one moment to highlight. I've even highlighted it. <laughs> and and you get to that. Okay, so say it again. Say among the nations, what? The Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. In other words, reality, right, is what God says it is. It cannot be moved. It cannot be changed. It's unalterable. It is what God says it is, not what we say it is. Okay, keep going. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. When we return, we're going to get to the proverbial moral of the story. You're listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional Republican form of government is preserved to future generations. We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty in your community? Join us at TennesseeStands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. So, my icebergs, Aunt Iceberg Penelope and Uncle Iceberg Roger, what is the lesson today? What is the, quote, moral of the story or the object of this episode about my new granddaughter and your new niece? What are we to discern from this awesome occasion? That life is a miracle. Okay, number one, life is a miracle. Um, that we can't, that we are the created, not the creators. And Absolutely. So Very important. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, so we don't have, there are certain things we do not have control over. And there are certain things we do have control over, but we're not God in any sense. And so, you know, the things we do have control over, such as what we call certain things, all of that is within God's control. 
Yeah, so we can call a man a woman, right? God gives us the freedom to do that, but that doesn't change a man into a woman, Exactly. We can call a tree a bird, but that doesn't make a tree a bird, right? We can call this uh, water bottle that I'm holding and the substance in it, we could call it gasoline, but if I put it in my car, it's going to... Not run. <laughs> yeah, it won't run. Probably destroy my engine if I put too much in, right? Flood the engine. Yeah. So, yeah, and we can we can do things to the things God has created, but we can't create the things God right. has created. We can't create the baby. Right. So, God is the creator, the original creator, and the only thing that we can create, everything that we do create derives from God's creation, right? We We depend upon... God's order in order to create things anyway. Like, if we're going to create an airplane, we're depending upon the natural order that God has created with regard to gravity and what it takes to keep an airplane in the air, right? Which is what? What are the two things that keeps to, takes to keep an, a plane in the air? Of oh, speed and pressure. Well, yeah, the pressure related to the wing design, right? Yeah, the air pressure. <clears throat> so if you had if you had a wing design, which like when I was little, I used to make airplanes out of two pieces of wood and wondered why they wouldn't fly longer than I could throw them. Right? They flew, but because they didn't have the right wing design, they're thereby eliminating any upward pressure. It was just all downward pressure of gravity. It couldn't fly. But if I'm making an airplane well, the creation of that airplane is only possible if I accept the limits of God's regular order and work within those limits, right? That's how we make progress. Ironically, those sometimes who claim to want progress, you're never going to have progress if you deny the natural order that God created. You're just going to have destruction. But if you depend upon that order, then you will have huge progress, right? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to children, okay, the reason I had you read that that amazing scripture from 96 is there's a lot of praise in that, right? Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the fields be jubilant, let all creation, right? Implying that God is a creator, let all creation rejoice before the Lord for he comes. He comes to judge the earth and he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. Every time, so the moral of this story is, or the moral of this episode, every time that a child is born, God declares the created order, doesn't he? Yes. To the Christian, to the believer, this is a time of great rejoicing. God calls us to remember all of his goodness, all of his mercy, and his sovereign control of all things for our good. As we said earlier, who could look upon a new baby and not give glory to God, right? Yet, for the unbeliever, to someone who persists in his or her rebellion— the birth of a child is actually a rebuke, right? A rebuke to man's power. A reminder of how every single person, believer and unbeliever, is completely dependent upon God for his existence and his sustenance. And the birth of a child is an ongoing, persistent call to what? For the unbeliever. Call to action? Yeah, what kind of action in particular? Um... What's to keep proclaiming the, the well, gospel? <laughs> well, for an unbeliever, it's a call to repentance, right? Mm-hmm. A constant warning. And think about it. Millions of times every day all around the world, right? People are being born. It, does, it isn't just happening here 
in Williamson County. It isn't just happening in Tennessee. It isn't limited to the United States or North America or even the Western Hemisphere, right? It's happening and continues to happen every single day all over the globe. And so this is continual evidence that God is on his throne and will one day judge the world and everyone in it. As Psalm 19 declares, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Thank you. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge, right? The things that God has created. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. So knowledge of God is as unavoidable as the warmth and light of the sun, which is felt in each and every corner of the earth. Likewise, these millions of daily declarations from the womb, that is, each and every new birth, is an inescapable reminder of God's unshakable, glorious, created order. And for that, we get an amen, right? Amen. Amen. That's all the time we have today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again to our icebergs, our producer, and all of our listeners and supporters. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women who, like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. And how can we know what we're to do unless we believe what is true? My name is Kevin Cookagee, and you've been listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. <laughs>